finances and how to operate money according to the Word of God. Again, I said from the beginning that, um, you know, I'm not here to give you, you know, five easy steps for this and 12 steps for this. Uh, I'm here to show you what the Word has to say about these different areas. And um, change is inevitable. We know this. And some people don't like change. Some people hate change uh, because change requires you to confront. Um, If you're not a confrontational person, change is probably very hard for you because change always requires confrontation. Nothing changes if you don't first confront the current situation. Um, If you want to change your money, then you have to confront the way that you are using your money and your finances. If you want to confront or if you want to change your relationships and your relationship with God and how you view other people and how you uh, are in relation to other people, uh, then you have to confront those situations. How many of you know there's probably relationships that we have that we shouldn't have? And so what does that, what does that cause us to do to, to change that? Confront it. You have to confront those people and say, look, I can't associate with you. I will not associate with you. You're not building me up. Uh, you're not helping me. Your influence on me is negative, and so I'm cutting this off. And you've got to confront that situation. And that's not easy to do. But I'll tell you what, uh, change is not about the moment. Change is about the reward and the harvest from it. Uh, we change our finances not just not to get a million dollars today, but to create an investment that will help us act and respond properly to money for the future. And so we can learn to save when it's time to save. We can learn to give when it's time to give. We can learn to do with things wisely with our money. Uh, same thing with our relationships. And so um, this change is very important. And, you know, we said from the beginning of this year that, what are we going to do this year that's different from 2011? What are we going to do this year? What steps are we going to put into play? What are we going to practice? What are the habits that we're going to cut off and create um, that are going to make 2012 different? Um, you can't just cut something off. You have to replace it with something. The Bible is very clear about that. It says to cast down arguments and cast down every thought that uh, comes against God. But then what else does it say? set your mind on, or think on, or think on these things. He's not just saying, just don't think negative thoughts. He's saying, go ahead and put positive thoughts in. Don't just think like the, uh, stop thinking like the world. Go ahead and start thinking like the kingdom. Where there's a replacing. So that's the, that's the twofold thing that we're doing in change, is we're getting rid of, getting rid of something and adding something to our lives. Okay? And this week, um, this week and next week are going to kind of actually go together. And um, today I've got quite a bit. Um, if you have your Bibles and you can get there quickly, great. If not, just look on the screen. We'll have the verses. I have quite a bit that we're going to cover. Um, as I was studying this out and even this morning, I started getting a lot of stuff uh, to what we're wanting to talk about. And um, these next two areas of change uh, kind of go together. And so principles that I give you here at the beginning, I'm going to kind of set you up, and then we're going to go into today's, and then it's going to carry over for next week. Amen? Go ahead and turn with me to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1. I'm going to give you some principles. I'm going to kind of set you up for what we're talking about, and then uh, we're going to get into dealing with today's 
topic. Amen. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly. With his heart you shall take my offering. I promise I'm not preaching the money one over again. Okay, we're going somewhere. (laughs) I know I already used this one. Verse 3, And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, bronze. But now skip down to verse 8. He's he's asking for an offering from the people. He's asking for the best, gold, silver, bronze. If you keep on going, he's asking for linens. He's asking for wood. He's asking for stones. He's asking for the best stuff. But why? Verse 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Verse 9, According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern. Everyone say pattern. The pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings just so you shall make it. So why is he telling Moses to have the people bring an offering? To build a what? Tabernacle. A house for God where he can dwell. Okay? Now let's go over to First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 28. First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 10 says this, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. This is David talking to his son Solomon. Verse 11, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, treasuries, upper chambers, inner chambers, the place of the mercy seat. Verse 12, And the plans for all that he had by the Spirit, of the courts of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries for the dedicated things. Go down to verse 19. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing, by his hand upon me, all the works of these plans. God spoke to David and told David, I want you to build me a temple. So first we see God telling Moses, I need you to build me a tabernacle so I can dwell with you. Now God is telling David, build me a temple so that I can dwell with you. Now he told David, he said, you're a man of war, you've shed too much blood, you can't actually build this temple. So you give the plans to Solomon, and we know that Solomon ended up building that temple. So, so far, God is building a tabernacle and building a temple. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So now we see Jesus saying that he's going to build something. What's he going to build? The church. So now we have tabernacle, temple, church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Your Bible is going to get a workout if, you're, if you have it with me, if you have it with you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Notice here, Paul is telling the Corinthian church, be careful how you build on the the foundation. 
Be careful how you build what God has put in play. Because we already, we already saw it's God's work, God's field, God's building. So you be careful how you build on it. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Verse 16. Do you not know that you, everyone say me. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? You're a temple. You are a house. And the spirit of God is dwelling within you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Here's where we're going with this. We just saw that God said in four different areas that he's building something or that he wants something built for him. But notice every single time that he wanted something built, he gave orders, he gave directions, and we saw in Exodus that he has a pattern that it should be built against, that it should be built to. God is looking for a place to dwell. But here's what we've missed, and here's what the church has missed. Because the church hasn't been real concerned with building something that's God's, and we have been more concerned with building something that we think belongs to us. The church today has let in a lot of worldly things into something that God should have the oversight in building. Now, the church is just one building that we saw in Matthew chapter 16. But of all those things of the tabernacle, the temple, the church, and eventually us, there was an order how it was to be built. That's why Paul said, take heed. Be careful how you build on it. Be careful how you build what God has already set order and pattern and design to. So basically you could put it this way, that God is the architect and we are the builders, but we are to follow his plan. The church was never meant to be built on man's traditions. And Jesus shows up in the earth and finds out that man is more concerned with their traditions and their patterns and their order than they are with God's order. So Jesus shows up and he starts doing all kinds of different things that go against man's traditions. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are having a problem with this. Why? Because they didn't build it against God's design. They built it against their own design. This is dangerous. The next two weeks, we are going into a 180, a change in our families, in our home, and then eventually in us, in our bodies, personally. These are the next two areas. And the reason why I started here with this principle is because God has already set a design and a pattern in order for how both of these entities should operate and exist in the earth. Now notice here there's three things that I want to show you about the things that God builds. There's three things I want to show you here. Let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 39. 
Exodus chapter 39. We started in Exodus chapter 25, and that's where God gave the command, tell the people to bring me an offering, build me using this and this and this and this, and build for me a tabernacle where I can dwell. So the first thing God is looking for is a place to dwell on the earth with man. That's the first thing we're looking at. But look at this in Exodus chapter 39, verse 32. Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. So they obeyed what God said to do. They obeyed the order and the design and the pattern that God put in place in Exodus chapter 25. In fact, it goes further on that. And, and God is very descriptive. God is very specific in where things should go, how things should be built, what materials should be used, how the size of spaces. He's very descriptive. I mean, if you've read anything about Noah's Ark, he gave him the exact dimensions. And it had to be built a certain way. You know, right now, uh, I don't know how many of you have gotten to see the work that's been done over there, uh, but it looks phenomenal. You need to go check it out because we're moving. This thing's progressing. But the reason why we are starting here uh, close to five months after I initiated the plan over there was because it had to be built according to code. It had to be built a certain way. The county has requirements. The county wants to know, are you building these walls the right height? Are they the right thickness? Is the framing the right dimensions? Is the sheetrock the right thickness? Do you have electrical in the right places? I mean, I, I, I asked. I mean, I want to know, why do, why do you have to have an electrical outlet every 12 feet in a room? Why? Why can't I just put one in there? Because when they make electrical devices with a plug... The standard code for the United States is 12 feet long. When they, build, when they make lamps and when they make uh, all types of different things, the cord on there is, I guess, a standard of 12 feet. Now, I guess you can buy you know, things that have longer because they want to help accommodate you so you don't... Like, I just bought a vacuum cleaner the other day. And it, in nice, big, bold print, 20-foot cord. You know what that's telling me? Every time I go 12 feet, I don't have to unplug it and then go find the next, I can just go all over the room and stay in one outlet. Because how many of you hate having to unplug and then move it over to another one? It's just nice to leave it there, and you can do the whole space with one outlet. So that's why. And guess what? I don't have the county's blessing if I don't build it the way that they want me to build it. And if something happens, if something falls down, if somebody gets injured, the first place they're going to look is, did you have a permit? Did you build it according to code? Did, was this thing signed off? Was this thing inspected by someone who knows the code? That's the first thing they're going to look for. Well, look, God is no different. And he's descriptive. That's why I have no problem bringing to you a building fund. That's why I have no problem telling you specifically what we want to do and what we want to put in the rooms. I mean, even God, and we're talking about God's house. This is God's house. God talks about his house in, in several different ways, one of them being you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We just saw that. But he also talks about the church being God's house. Why? Because he wants to dwell in God's house. doesn't mean he lives here at 2314 U.S. Highway 84. 
It's not his address. But when we come here, we should be able to usher in the presence of God. This location has been sanctified, set apart for that very reason. And so that's why I have no problem bringing that, st- that stuff to you. And, you know, this is what we're trying to do. God is in excellence. I mean, you go and read in First Corinthians, 1 Chronicles and, and, and see the, the specifics and, and what God... He's using gold. He's using silver. He's using bronze. I mean, we're not putting gold in anywhere around. I'm not, you know, trimming out these TVs in 24-karat gold and, you know, putting... 24 karat, you know, door, door handles, and you know that we're not going to be doing all that. It's nowhere near to what God wanted. He's got a very high standard for His house, okay? But He has a code, and He has a way that it's ought to be built. So Exodus chapter 39, we see that they obeyed. Now look what happens in verse 43. Exodus 39, verse 43. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, just so had they done it. And look what it says here. And Moses blessed them. The first thing we see is that God is very specific in the order and the design of his house. The second thing we see that is if you are obedient and you build it according to what he wants you to build it, you will be blessed. His blessing, God comes on, God brings a blessing on what you obey. And you can put it this way, that God does not bless what you don't obey. But specifically here, when we are building something that has an order to it, and we build it properly, then we are blessed. Our bless, God puts his blessing on that. You know why? Because God does, not, God does not live in anything that you build without his order and design to it. Period. There are a lot of churches that gather on Sundays and Wednesdays and whenever that don't have his blessing and that he is not living in because it was not built according to his order and his design. They're not preaching his word. They're not doing and worshiping the right things, the way that he's ordered it and designed it to be done. And he will not bless it and he will not live in it. The first thing he wants to do is dwell in it. The second thing he wants to do is bless it. Look over here in Exodus chapter 40. The very next chapter over, Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34. This is after they built the tabernacle, and then it says in verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Verse 35, And Moses was not even able to enter the tabernacle. Because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. They, it, was, it was so uh, glorious, they had to put it in there twice. Well, how many of you know that the glory of the Lord ought to be in our churches? It ought to be in our churches if we build it according to His standard, if we build according to His design. The first thing we see is that He will dwell in it. He will live in it. The second thing we see is that it is blessed. He will bless it. And now the third thing we see is that His glory will be upon it. His glory will fill it. Let's go down to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 6. This is after the temple was built. Then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all, com- keep all my commands, and walk in them, 
What he's saying is, if you build it according to this, and if you put this where it's supposed to go, and if you follow what I'm asking you to do in this, that's what he's saying. If you execute my commands, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. Now look what it says. So Solomon built the temple and finished it. Go down to chapter 8. Chapter 8 and verse 10. And it says, And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not continue ministering. Wouldn't it be so awesome if the glory of the Lord fell so strongly in here that I couldn't even preach? That His presence was so tangible that I couldn't even do what I'm here to do. That would be amazing. That's what's happening here. It happened with Moses. Moses couldn't even go into the tabernacle. And now it's happening with the priest in the temple. So the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. This is powerful stuff. Verse 12. Then Solomon spoke. The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell forever. So God is living in the temple. His glory has now filled the temple. Then the king turned around and what? Turned around and what? It's not up there. The king turned around and blessed the whole family, the whole assembly of Israel, while all the assembly of Israel was standing. The whole assembly was blessed. So the three things that we just saw with the tabernacle, because Solomon saw to it that it was built according to God's standard, it was blessed, his glory fills the temple, and he dwells there. Same thing. Now here's where we're going with this. Today I want to talk to you about families. And I want to talk to you about our homes. And I'll tell you right now that the family and the home structure uh, is being torn down by society. It's being torn down by uh, the world we live in today. Uh, There's no submission. There's no respect. There's no honor. You got children uh, acting however they want, and they have no respect towards the parents. Uh, We have wives and husbands that are so far apart, they might as well be on a different planet. We've got arguing and all this stuff. I'm talking within the home. I'm not talking cousins and grandmas and and aunts and uncles. I'm talking mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, children. That's what we're talking about today. Because, and I don't know if anyone is in here, you don't have to raise your hand, but one of the common resolutions is I want my family to be closer. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better son or daughter. These are resolutions that people have at the beginning of January. Well, what are we doing to change that? The first thing we have to notice is that it cannot be built to the world standard or to the world's system. And you will find that the world doesn't care about family. You'll find that the world, I mean, we've got this MTV generation right now where uh, teenagers glorify people that make their parents look stupid. 
They, they glorify the fact that I'm lazy and I don't have a job and I don't care to get a job. This is your, this is your teenage generation that's going on. The, the, the enemy has crept in and he is showing up because he knows if I can break down the family system, everything else will fall from there. If I can get a child to rebel against his parents, then he will rebel against his boss. He will be a loser and a nobody. And I'm going to go ahead and glorify that so when they get there, they think they're cool. Yeah. You go to your high schools and you find out who gets picked on. Is it the dumb kids or the smart kids? The smart kids. You're a nerd. You know everything. You're a know-it-all. You, you're smart. You want to get an A. You want to go to school. You want to go to college. You want to graduate. You want to get a degree. And instead, we, we, we glorify playing a sport or playing an instrument, doing things that don't require a degree. We glorify things that don't require you to, to, to sit still and learn something. And when that all doesn't pan out, then I'll go and play an instrument on the side of the road or I'll go uh, you know, get a job at McDonald's and play my sports at night. I know people right now that I graduated with that work lame jobs doing nothing with their life just so they can play softball Monday through Friday night and then play a tournament and travel and go and do that. They will literally not get a job that will hold them to a set schedule because they need to be able to travel whenever that time comes. Families, kids, doing this kind of junk is what it is. It's a worldly system that has got into play, and the wrong thing is glorified. And the sad thing is is that the sports kids are making fun of the nerds, but then they find out that the nerds are the ones starting businesses, inventing stuff, and then the sport kids, when the sport doesn't pan out anymore, have to go work for the nerd. The nerd's now the CEO. The nerd, you think Steve Jobs was picked on maybe a little bit? You think Bill Gates? I mean, if we take take a poll right now, who's cooler, LeBron James or Bill Gates? I mean, come on. And I'm not saying that it's not cool to play sports. That's not what I'm saying at all. And there are people that are gifted in that. And if you use it for the right purpose, you can go in and you can change the sports industry. We already have seen this. But that's not their purpose. And for very little people, does that pan out? I mean, my, my, one of my loves is baseball. And I'll tell you right now, baseball is not easy to get into. There are, there are guys that get in the minors and they stay there for the rest of their life. They can never get it to the professional grade. It's just, it's a whole nother game. I mean, you're talking some sheer talent. I played the game growing up and I go and watch a professional game and you watch these guys just lobbing the ball 50 yards. I can throw it as hard as I want and it's going to hit the ground in about 20. It's amazing. It's sheer talent. But we've, we've glorified this thing, and so we've got the wrong system that we're going after. And the right system is falling apart. And so God is saying, build it according to my plan. Build it according to my design. I've already given you the plan. I've already given you the design. So this week and next week, we're going to look at God's design. And this week, we're going to look at our families.
and we're going to look at our homes. The reason why people do not have peaceful homes, the reason why people uh, do not have God living in their home, a blessed home, or a home that has the glory of God in it, is because they did not build it or are not trying to build it according to God's design. Very simple. It only goes wrong in one place. God's design will not fail. If you build it according to God's design, then it will succeed. Period. I just showed you four areas. I just showed you the tabernacle. I showed you the temple. I showed you the church. And then I showed you your own self. And if you build it according to that design, it will not fail. It will not fall apart. Now, this message, I know uh, that for some of us, this may hit home. But this is not condemnation. Change, the, one of the greatest um, enemies of change for people is feeling condemned about it. And when you're condemned, you don't change anything. When you're convicted, you feel change. Or you, you want to change. And then you want to confront the situation. But that's not the goal of this. I want to preach you the Word. I want to show you what the Word has to say about our homes and about our families. I want to show you what the Word has to say about our bodies and how we should take care of ourselves and how we should be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then let's just change according to that and be that and do that. That's why I bring the Word. That's why I'm not giving you uh, what, the, what, what uh, Dr. Phil says about parenting. Because it's not the Word of God. And it can fail. And he may be the greatest doctor on the planet. He may, uh, I don't care if he's a Christian. I, I, do, I do not uh, follow after people just because they call themselves a Christian. Because if you don't point yourself to the Bible, then it's no good. And if I'm following you and you follow the Bible, then I'm really following the Bible. I'm really following the Word of God, okay? So let's get the man out of the picture. So the issue here is that we've been trying to build something. We've been trying to build our homes and we've been trying to build uh, our families and our family structure according to a worldly system or, um, you know, one of the greatest dangers is family in family is that we pass down how we were raised or we pass down how our mothers and fathers treated us. We pass down... Uh, how we were taken care of. We pass that on to our kids. It's very true. Um, and so what happens here is we get stuck in a pattern um, that's not lined up with the Bible. Here's the thing. The home, a home is not made up of a building. A home is not made up because you have a house and you have an address and that's where you live. A home is made up of people. Just like a church is not made up because we have a building. The church is made up because we have people that collect upon the same place. So the home is made up of people, and there is a structure, there is an order, and there is a design that God has put in place on how the family or the home should operate. And God's Word outlines every single position. It outlines Father. It outlines mother, it outlines child, it outlines husband, and it outlines wife. Very simple. Now, here's what I tell people when I, when I do counseling or when I, when I meet with husbands and wives. Um, 
You know, I, I really don't like to hear a lot of backstory. I don't need examples of where someone messed up, or I don't need to hear history, and I really don't need to hear all that. Sometimes it's helpful in understanding where someone's coming from, but for future, all I need to do is tell you the role of the husband and the role of the wife, and if we do that, we won't argue about the laundry, and we won't complain about the dishes, and we won't worry about what he said or she said. We'll just do what the Bible says. It's very simple. So no matter what you were arguing or fighting about yesterday, if I sit down with you today and say, you as a husband, this is what you're supposed to do. You as a wife, this is what you're supposed to do. And then we do that, then we have no more fights and no more arguments in the home. Either that or this is, this is a failure. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't answer questions on who's supposed to do the laundry and who's supposed to do the dishes and who's supposed to pay the bills. And it doesn't say all that silly junk, but it does talk about submission and respect and honor. And so that's, that's what we want to look at. We want to look at God's design. We want to look at God's order. Uh, John chapter 5. Look at John chapter 5. <clears throat> And I'm going to turn there because there's a few extra verses I want to read. Um, let's start with verse. <clears throat> start with verse 20. Verse 20. Verse 19. John 5, verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. So we see a relationship here. We have a Son and a Father. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Verse 23, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. There's a, full, there's a few things I want to pull out. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. The foundation of writing a home, of getting a home and a family in the right position on all parties, father, mother, husband, wife, and child, the foundation is honor. If there is no honor, the whole system fails. If the... If the father and mother do not honor the children, if the children do not honor their parents, if the husband and wife do not honor each other, the whole system fails. Now look what Jesus said here. Jesus said that the son could be honored because the father is honored. But why? Why could the son be honored? Because the son did exactly like the father. The son did what the father did. The son said what the father said. The son went 
where the Father went. As long as Jesus was in obedience to the Father, He was able to be honored just as the Father was to be honored. That's good. And that is how the family system ought to operate. If we operate in our positions as we're supposed to, if the husband, the wife, the father, the mother, the children, if we do what we're supposed to do according to the word, then guess what? We should be honored. We should be honored. Go over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. While you're turning there in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33, it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Humbleness must take place. Humility must take place before honor can be required. You can't honor someone if you don't humble yourself to that person. And to humble yourself means to you let yourself go and you obey. If I honor my parents, then that means that I have humbled myself to my parents. That means it's not my will. Your will. I don't want to take out the trash, but you said take out the trash, so I will honor you by becoming humble, by obeying you. And I have honored my parents by taking out the trash. Very simple example. Okay? Before honor comes humility. Before humility comes obedience. And you can't, you can't, you can't be obedient to someone and be in pride. That means you've let yourself go. You've stripped yourself and you said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm doing what they want me to do. I humble myself to them. And by obeying, by the action of obeying, I will honor. I will honor them. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Now, when we read this stuff, when I say children to parents, the parents get excited. Yeah, tell my kid what's up. And then... Uh, when I say parents to children, and the children get excited, yeah, tell my parents what's up. And then we get to husband to wife, and then the wife saying, yeah, tell my husband what he's supposed to do. And then we, well, we ain't doing that. We're going to take the right stance across the board. If it hits you, take it, receive it, learn from it, change from it. All right? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now notice here there's two different titles mentioned. There's parents in verse 1. And then there's father and mother mentioned in verse 2. Parents are the people that are your guardians. See, some of us were not raised by our father and our mother. Obedience goes to the, perp- to the person that is your guardian. But look where honor goes. Honor your father and mother. What is your father and mother? It's the person that gave you life. It's the people that gave you life. Now, here's something that I'm going to tell you, and it may rattle you, It may be hard to swallow, but it's truth, so just take it. Honor goes to the position, not the person. 
I honor the president not because of who he is or what he's done for me, but because of the position he's in. Whether we like it or not, he is the president of the United States, and we honor the man based on the position. The word here tells us to honor our father and our mother, regardless of how your father and your mother have treated you, what they have done. Honor is to be bestowed. Obedience goes to the parents because that is who is over you. But honor always goes to the father and the mother. You'll notice in the Bible, you'll find a theme. The the things that God tells you to honor, He tells you to honor your father and mother. He tells you to honor Him. He tells you to honor His Word. Why? God is telling us to honor things that are our life source. Anything that gives you life deserves honor. Anything that gives you life, you are to honor. Do we understand that? A life source. Is God a life source? Is His Word a life source? Are your parents a life source? Yes. So honor goes to a life source. He says to honor your father and mother. So right here off the bat, we see the position for children. Honor goes to the father and mother. Mother, And we just saw that honor comes after humility, which means I first have to strip myself and I have to become obedient to these people to honor them. You cannot honor your parents and be in disobedience. You cannot honor God and be in disobedience. Jesus was not worthy of honor and was not honoring his father if he didn't do what the father told him to do, said what the father told him to say, and went where the father told him to go. Period. Jesus just made that statement, and it was contingent on one thing. I do what he tells me to do. Honor comes on my life. I don't do what he tells me to do. No honor. And no longer am I honoring him. Now this is twofold. Because it's going to be hard for a parent and it's going to be hard for a father and mother to require honor from someone if they are not first honoring God. Jesus said, honor comes to me. I can be honored just as God. You knew that through some people for a loop. This man shows up on the face of the planet. They already have a hard time believing that he's Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, that's been prophesied for so long. And now he's saying, you are to honor me the way I honor God and the way that you honor God. Well, why could he say that? Because I'm doing what the Father has told me to do. And I'm worthy of that honor. So the first thing we have to get in line as parents is we first need to honor God. That means that we need to set up our house according to his order. We need to set up our home and our family according to the word of God. A lot of people wonder why they have issues in the home when they've never let God in the home. Never brought God in the home. And we'll see what the Bible says about bringing God into your home. Verse 4. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the what? Training in admonition of the Lord. Right there, he's telling you how to raise your children. And look who he's talking to. 
fathers. He's talking to the fathers. The father, the head of the house, is the one to be training up and admonishing and raising up and bringing God into the home. It's up to the father. If the father doesn't do it, then that means someone else has to do it that may not be adequately equipped to do it. I know that that, we have single moms. Who does it there? The mom does it, and there's an anointing, and there's a grace on her life to do it, but she shouldn't have to do it. (laughs) We hearing that? And then we have some homes where the father is there, but we have no godly guidance from the father. So guess who's having to step it up? The mom. And even though she shouldn't have to do it, she is doing it. And there's an anointing and there's a grace because God's going to get in the house somehow. But he has an order and a design in how it ought to go. Period. He has an order. He has a design. We already saw the blessing comes when you do it according to his order. The glory comes when you build it according to his plan. And he dwells in what he designs if you build it according to his design. We're getting some things, we're we're making a 180 here. Proverbs uh, chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 1. Look at this. Hear, my children, the instruction of a who? Father. And give attention to no understanding. My son... Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. What's he doing? He's establishing relationship. He's establishing relationship. We talked about relationships last week. We said relationships only work off of one thing, priority. If you don't give priority and attention to a relationship, it doesn't work. I'm married to my wife today because I made priority to pursue her. I gave her attention. Husbands and wives are close in the house because they give attention to each other. Parents and children are close in the house because they give attention to each other. You make a priority. He's establishing a relationship. He's saying, Father, do this. Son, do this. And if you raise him up in the way he should go, then he won't depart from it. Very simple. There's an order and a design. If you do not establish the relationship, you will have a hard time requiring honor. You will have a hard time seeing the humility follow the honor, and you will have a hard time seeing the obedience. Bottom line, this is how God has set up the house and set up the home and set up the family to work. And if we try to come outside that system, it doesn't work. It falls apart. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. It doesn't say listen to your father who always treats you right. It doesn't say listen to your father who always 
gives you everything you want. It says, listen to your father who gave birth to you. By that right alone, listen to your father. And in the world today, we want to come up with stipulations. Well, he says this and he does this. Look, the Bible doesn't, your position on the word doesn't change because of how someone else is acting or responds to it. That's why love is so awesome, and that's why love is the foundation, because true love doesn't care how the person responds. You continue to love. The person, uh, the, the person if they're going to stay in love, doesn't worry about what they think their response will be or how this person's treated them in the past. Well, they said this about me, or they keep bringing this up. The Bible says to continue in love. Love is the foundation. And so he's establishing the relationship. Relationships are based on priority and on time. Bottom line, as parents, we have to spend time with kids, with our children, period. There's no more of this coming home from work and throwing around commands and throwing around this and throwing around that and not establishing a relationship and spending time with people and spending time with our kids and developing that. No more of that. And if we're working so much that we can't come home and be rested enough and and be in a position where we can give that kind of time to our wives and to our kids, I'm talking to the fathers right now, then we need to do something about that. Because God never intended for the job to take the place of the home in your heart. God is a God of priorities. God is a God of Things set in motion and how things should operate. And you will see that they will get out. This goes just as much for me. The church, this church, I'm sorry you guys, you do not come before my wife and you do not come before my son. Period. Bottom line. I'm getting out of line. I'm getting out of place. I'm getting out of order and design the way God intended it to be. And I will lose my family, and I will lose the church all at the same time at the expense of trying to put the church first. And it's the same way for your home. Time and attention and priority has to take place. You can't go around demanding all this stuff to happen, and we don't want to do our part. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. The foundation of the home is honor. Honor must be present. Honor must be present. You'll find, uh, parents, that the child will respond to correction if the relationship is first introduced. You'll find it. If you take time to establish that relationship, you'll find that the correction will come. That word instruction, hear my instruction, my son, hear my instruction, that's all of it. That's instruction in the good and instruction in the bad. That means hear when I'm correcting you and hear when I'm encouraging you. Hear when I'm telling you to change this and hear when I'm telling you that you're doing this right. That's all of it. As children, we are to honor that to our parents And as parents, we are to honor our children by not only telling them when they're doing wrong. Hear me now. 
Don't only, don't only show up on the scene when they mess something up. Let's start showing up when they get it right. Let's start bringing the encouragement. Let's start bringing the edification. Look, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus is there when you get it right, and He's there when you get it wrong. And sometimes we demand more of other people than we would expect for other people to do for us. We don't want no one showing around, showing up. I mean, you don't want that from your boss. Where were you yesterday when I got the reports out on time? Now you're here when I, I'm a day late. Where were you yesterday when I stayed till I stayed 30 minutes past and I show up 15 minutes late this morning? We don't want that. We want to notice. We want to be noticed on all accounts. Well, so do our children. Ephesians chapter five, and verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. See, he he goes ahead and he sets the standard. He doesn't just stop at wives, submit to your own husbands. There's a comma there, not a period. As to the Lord, submit to your husbands as you would to God. For the husband is the head of the wife. Notice here, it does not say the man is the head of the woman. And we've somehow turned this thing into males are greater than females. No, the husband is greater than the wife. Let's keep it in context. This is not a male-female thing. This is a husband-wife thing. This is a relationship thing. There's a relationship involved. This isn't about male and female and women's women's rights and their place in the church and their place... In, in culture, they're talking about a home. And if we're not applying it to a home, then you have no right bringing this verse up. Also, this is talking about a believing home. You hear that? A believing home. So if we have a wife that's godly and a Christian and following God, and we have a husband that's not following God and doesn't care to follow God and is an unbeliever, does not apply. We are talking about a believer's home. Someone that is following after God. The husband is the head of the wife, comma, as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, sometimes we just stop at head of the wife. We put a period there. But we forget if there's a standard involved. As, what's he doing? He's laying out the order and the design. And if you build according to the order and design, you're blessed. The glory's there. There, he dwells there. Want a blessed home? You want the glory of God in your home? You want a peaceful home? You want a joyful home? Let's follow the plan and design that God has put. This is the blueprint. This is how you build the house. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Comma, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. What are we doing? We're laying out the order. We're laying out the stipulations. Well, I'm showing you the guidelines. I mean, right now you can 
uh, picture me unraveling a blueprint for the family. And I'm showing you, okay, this is where you put this wall. And then we're going to put this wall here. And you've got to make sure that in this room it has all these components. That's what I'm doing for you. I'm showing you the outline, the blueprint for the family and for the home. And if we build it according to this way, then we have the glory and the blessing and God dwells in our homes. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also has loved the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but what? Nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the body. And I, I don't have time to go into a series on, on husbands and wives. We will do that at some point. But this is, this is all in the Bible. I mean, this isn't a guessing game. Just as the Lord, okay, what, what does that look like? The, it shows us how God takes care of his church. It shows us how Jesus gave his life for the church, laid down his life with no guarantee that the church would follow him. Husbands, we love our wives with no guarantee. That's I'm saying I love you with no guarantee that you will say I love you back. Period. You hold your position. You do what you're supposed to do. You continue to guide. You continue to nourish. You continue to cherish. Well, she's the spawn of Satan. I mean, Satan lives in her. Love. Cherish, nourish, just as what? Just as the Lord does the church. There are a lot of people that Jesus died for, gave his life for, that will never accept him as their Lord. There's a lot of people that have, and there's a lot of people that will continue to reject it. I'm sorry, it'd be a hard thing for me to go and die on the cross if I had the guarantee that every single person would say yes. Much less going at it and doing that, not even knowing that I have one. To know that people would still reject it. Verse 31, for this reason, a man shall leave his what? Father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. We have married couples that are still running back to mother and father. That is not what this verse says should be happening. And there you have division. There you have strife. There you have uh, dissensions coming into play. Because you have a man and a wife. And you have one of them that's still hanging on to mommy and daddy. And we are supposed to separate and be joined to each other. The blueprint for husband and wife does not work. It will fail. It will not pass code. You will take it down to God and say, but God, this is what my blueprint looks like. And he's going to say, no, one of you is still clinging on to mother and father. Change this 
and then we can get it right. Then I'll pass your inspection. Then I will bless your home. Then I will come and live in your home. See, he ain't coming and living in something that doesn't pass code. If it doesn't pass his inspection, he ain't blessing it. He's not bringing his glory to it, and he ain't living in it. Period. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife, here we go, see that she respects her husband. The honor and the respect has to come from the wife to the husband. There's no stipulation. There's no contingency. You respect and honor your husband. There's no getting out if he screws it up one day. That's not what the blueprint says. That's not what the design has in place. That's not what the plan says. So I'm going to tell you right now, we... We've got to get this in alignment. And next week we'll talk about our bodies and we'll talk about the temple of the Holy Spirit, this individual temple of the Holy Spirit. Because he gives very strict design on how to build this temple. And again, he's not coming and living in it. He's not coming and dwelling in it. He's not coming and blessing it. He's not bringing his glory into it if we are not building it according to his code. It's not going to pass inspection. There's one more reason why God wanted these things built. I told you that God wanted it built so he could dwell in it, so he could bless it, and so his glory could come upon it. But there's one more. 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. In verse 16. This is the most important reason. If I have not given you enough reason this morning to go back and evaluate your homes and evaluate your families and evaluate, is God in my home? Is God the first priority? Is he the center of our home? Are we honoring and contributing to husband and wife and children and to father and to mother how we ought to? Then let me give you one reason right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16. Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt. I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house. That my name might be there. That my name might be there. The number one reason why God wants a building, why God would, we don't have tabernacles today. We don't have temples today. We have other houses. We have the house of God, the church, and we have you individually as the temple of the Holy Spirit. But the, the motive has stayed the same. He wanted the tabernacle built for a reason. He wanted the temple built for a reason. He wanted his church built for a reason. And he wants you built for a reason. Number one reason, he is to be exalted and lifted up. Number one reason. Your home ought to be exalting and lifting up God. Your body ought to be exalting and lifting up the King. This church 
ought to be exalting and lifting up God, the creator of the universe. He said that my name might be there, that I will be known, that I will be lifted up. He didn't want Solomon. See, that's what happened with Solomon is he got over into pride. He had all these women. He had all these things. He was the richest man that's ever lived on the face of the planet. He built this temple. But who got lifted up? He got lifted up instead of God being lifted up. When God, when, when God saw that the building, that the temple was built properly according to how he told David it should be built, his glory came upon it. He dwelled there. It was to glorify and lift him up. Our families, I'm telling you right now, God should be identified in your homes. People should be able to come into your home and it will be peaceful. It will be exuding with God. His glory is there. His pre- I'm not going to say, I'm not saying you're going to be sitting on your couches just, oh, we're just basking in the presence of the Lord. Hey, we, go, go get me a sandwich. Yes, mom, I'll go get you a sandwich because the glory of God is here so strong. Here's your sandwich. Daddy, would you like me to take out the trash for you? Because you know, the glory of God is just compelling me to take out the trash. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that because of the obedience, because of the humility, because of the honor that is in the house, people come in and say, man, your kids, they, they obey you. I mean, the, the honor and the respect that they have for you. I mean, you two, y'all are so close. Husband and wife, I mean, I've never seen anything like that. God's doing a work in your home. God must be doing a work in your family. God must be doing a work in your marriage. He should get the glory. And then you get the glory. It's not, yeah, you know, I watched Dr. Phil's tape last night and got my kids in order. Man, you know, our house has been never been the same since. No, it's we got in the Word and we found out as a husband what I need to do and as a wife what I need to do and with our children what do we need to do. And then we are keeping our... Uh, keeping the word in front of our children so our children are following God. And so because of that, they honor us and they respect us and we respect them and we honor them. There is an order and a design that God has placed for these systems. I don't know about you, but I want God dwelling in my home. I want His glory in my home. I want His blessing on my home. And I want Him to be lifted up. I want God to be glorified. I want His name to be exalted. That's why I do it. I don't need the props. I don't need the rewards. I don't need to win the the number one dad award for 2012. I want God to be lifted up. And I'll tell you right now, His blessing is all you need. You don't need anyone else's blessing. You don't need anyone else telling you, well, I think you should do this with your kids, or I think you should do that. No, you want God's blessing. You want His approval. Why? Because He's the one that's coming to live in your house. You go ahead and tell them, you want it built that way? Well, you know what? You ain't living in my house, so I don't have to build it according to your code and according to your standard. My blueprint goes according to God's code. His design, His architect says to do this and to place this here. See, if I had someone come in here and try to tell me, no, you should do it this way and do it this way because this is an office space, uh, no, it's not an office space anymore. It's an assembly. 
it's a church. So I can put those walls there, and I can put those doors there, and I can flip that around, and I can paint it that color, and ain't no one can come in here and tell me. Why? Because I got it signed off. I got it done to code. It's been inspected. It's been approved. I got the signatures on it. It's been blessed. I've got the county's blessing. Can't hold me responsible. I did it according to his standard. That's what we want to do. And so I pray today that, that we start evaluating. I'm not saying go looking for the wrong. I'm saying let's go ahead and align it to the word of God. What can we tweak? As a husband, what, what can I do? Can I spend more time with my family? Can I make a pr- more of a priority and give more attention to my kids? Can I be more loving and nourishing and cherishing to my wife and, and not demanding a response and not waiting on a response? As a wife, can I give respect and honor and, and cleave to my husband and let him make the decisions and let him be the head of the house just as Jesus is the head of the church? As children, can we obey and honor our parents and give them the respect and honor that they're due? And, that, uh, and then as parents, will we uh, watch over our kids and make sure that we are making God number one in our home, that we are giving them instruction, admonition, and direction and guidance by the Word of God and not based upon how I was raised, not based upon how someone treated me, not based upon how I saw it done on TV. That's what we need to do. And with that, it will be blessed, it will be glorified, God will dwell there, and He will be lifted up. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. And Father, I thank You that as a family, that we begin to evaluate, we begin to, we begin to, to look inside because You are King. We want to have order in our home. 